This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and for the first time on our post-game episode here, in 11 months, we've got to dissect a Penn State defeat, 23-20, to the Iowa Hawkeyes winning in Kinnick Stadium. A tale of two games, one with Sean Clifford, one without Sean Clifford. We've got a lot to discuss. Taquan Roberson is going to be a topic of conversation in a way that none of us anticipated going into this Saturday afternoon showdown. But Penn State drops the 5-1. and one. That nine-game win streak is done. But I come out of this one, Sean, it'll probably be a theme of our conversations this weekend into the bye week. Not really feeling any different about what I think Penn State can accomplish, but I feel very concerned about whether QB1 is going to be available for them moving forward. Well, it was just trying to pinpoint how to feel coming out of this one. And it's it's so tough because, you know, you can, you can you know, twist and turn and, and think of everything that possibly went wrong and what happened. But when really it's just the it doesn't need to be any more complicated than this. Penn State was in control firmly of this game. Sean Clifford takes a hit, legal hit. He takes a hit, goes to the sideline. We don't see him again, 20 to three the other way. And all of a sudden it's, it's over. I mean, it, there, there's really no uh, dressing this up to probably make it any more than it is. Um, of course, there's blame to go around. That's, that's what we do. And that's how it's going to come across. Um, but, but really, Penn State was, was in complete control of this game and then just got sidetracked because your most important player goes to the sidelines. Tale as old as time. Yeah, 18 minutes into this game, it was all Penn State. And quite frankly, I thought the Nittany Lions and Sean Clifford, despite those two early interceptions and the worst pass of his entire season on the first play of the game out of the end zone in in Kinnick, and you think, oh my gosh, is that going to set the tone for Sean Clifford? Not at all. And he threw another interception along the way. He shrugs it off. He leads touchdown drives. He's finding receivers. He's distributing the ball like we've seen him on one possession. It was Keandre Lambert-Smith and Parker Washington sharing the load. On another, it was five catches for Jahan Dotson on one drive. End of this, I mean, you've got the interceptions mixed in, but three out of four possessions before he leaves the game, you're producing points. A couple touchdown drives, one that stalls out. Jordan Stout comes in. You're ahead 17-3. to And meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, they're doing exactly what we said if they could do, they could win this game. Get after Petrus, make him feel uncomfortable. A couple early sacks on the first couple of possessions. Curtis Jacobs, Arnold Ebikade, three for three now in Big Ten games coming away with the sack. And it was all going according to plan for Penn State, actually exceeding expectations, the realistic expectations at that stage, up 17 to three and totally suffocating the Hawkeyes offensively and taking Goodson out of the game as you build that lead. That's that's what's so crazy. This is is I thought Penn State was better. You know, coming into this game, I thought you know, they were more balanced, uh, especially offensively. I didn't think they were that much better, you know, and and then all of a sudden they're coming out. It's 17 to three with 1231 to play in the first half. I mean, this is one where the over under was, I think, 40 and a half points and you're halfway there three minutes into the, the second quarter. And that happens. I mean, you, you get that sometimes. And uh, but but at that point, Penn State. Five of six, including the one that uh, that Clifford got knocked out on five of six on third downs didn't come didn't convert one the rest of the game. So that's kind of that. That's kind of how that works. 
Um, but it was it was really incredible to watch Penn State with two interceptions in the first quarter. Uh, 14 to three is the lead. It was uh, they outgained Iowa 155 to 49 in that first quarter. It was on its way. I don't want to say it's on its way to being a blowout, but that could have been a, ro- a rolling one for, for Penn State. So it was unbelievable that they got out on the right foot and then all of it all just came crumbling down. The defense was, was was great. I don't know how you can ask them to be put in that spot over and over and over again. Iowa drug you down to their level and made you play their game, which was what we said coming into the week. Um, you, you can't let Iowa dictate how an Iowa football game is going to go at Iowa. And that's exactly what happened uh, when take on Murverson came to the game. And when he came to the game, sorry to say, it just was not pretty. It was not, it was, it was not good. Uh, this, this Penn state team held the ball. I'm looking at the stats here under 12 minutes in that second half and just nothing generated. They, We'll talk about Roberson in a second, but I do want to first go back to, to to just how interesting the the opening sequence of this game was because, Sean, it felt like Penn State did everything that they had to avoid doing and they spent all week telling us they had to avoid doing. And you'd think a couple early interceptions, one out of your own end zone, would just break you down and expose you in this situation. But how quickly they rebounded from that, their defense came up with that immediate stop to force the field goal. And then offensively, they got it going. Even as the ground game didn't get going, when this offense was rolling, it was about the passing attack once more. Devin Ford, Noah Kane involved. We'll talk about that backfield in a bit. But I thought, Sean, again, all the pieces were there. And then you you, you put Roberson on the field. And the reason why this isn't some kind of, oh, the defense let up points late story is because they you just have to look at this realistically and look at how little time the defense spent on the sidelines. And then remember that they lost – maybe their most consistent player from game one through game five this season, PJ Mustafer, who by the way, might be the leader on that defense, put Jaquan Brisker in that conversation as well. He's out of this game early. Sean Clifford's out of this game early. We later realized that John Lovett was out of this game by halftime. He didn't touch the ball in offense in the first half. And yet this was a game that Penn state on the one possession that take one, uh, take one Roberson in this offense could muster some momentum and it was with his legs, and they got three points. They were up 20 to 10, and a two-possession lead at that point in the second half. I mean, it felt like with the way the defense was playing, and if the offense could just do a little bit, they could get there, and they could get there with the win. They were just waiting for that clock to burn down, but the offense never did a little bit of anything the rest of the way, and you just cannot survive that. They did a little bit of shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. A whole lot of seven, seven pre-snap penalties, whether you call them false starts or whatever, um, just all over the place. They they could not get that cadence down. They could not get the clapping down, um, and it really killed them. I mean, it was just uh, I think it was Roberson's first um, first possession. He fumbled the snap. He threw an incompletion. Three false starts in a row. Can't happen. Can't happen at home. Can't happen in a clinic. No doubt about it. So. Um, unfortunately, a sign of things to come for Penn State. Uh, they just couldn't get anything going, even even when they could sort of dig themselves out because Iowa's special teams and uh, field position game was just incredible. Um, even when they could dig themselves a little bit of, of room, they, they went right back to it. I mean, you, you got first down at the 25 after touchback, and all of a sudden uh, you get a chop block and you, you move back 15 yards. You know, it's just those things that just kept piling up. And it wasn't a poorly officiated game. It's not like Penn State fans have anything to gripe about. I know John O'Neill was there, but Penn State fans don't have anything to gripe about from a call standpoint. Um, and it was just uh, it was just tough to watch because nothing like that came together. 
Um, we'll get get to the blame game here in a little bit, but Roberson, 7 of 21 for 34 yards. 34 yards on 21 attempts, that's really hard to do. That's tough, and and two interceptions and four total picks uh, by Iowa, who entered this game leading college football uh, in interceptions. And by the way, you're actually short-selling just how much of a, a mess it became from that pre-snap penalty standpoint. Eight false starts were called on this offense after Taquan Roberson entered the game, four of them in the fourth quarter, Sean, and a couple on that final possession where we also saw, and that was actually the second to last possession where we saw a couple false starts, but the last one, a moment of, of lacking self-awareness by running with the football and going down in bounds and burning the clock. And for whatever reason, I don't know if you want to call it respect for Penn State's defense or complete disrespect for Taquan Roberson tonight, but Iowa decided they were content to take some knees and give the ball back to Penn State. And as usual, they pin Penn State deep. That's where Taquan Roberson in this offense lives with their back to the end zone there in Kinnick Stadium. But, man, it was just absolutely uh, you know, I've never seen football like this. I've never seen – we're talking about the number four team in the country, and I know it's your backup quarterback. I've never seen football where it looks like they plucked, uh, you know, someone off the uh, off the, the walk-on practice squad who has never taken a snap with these guys. Eight false starts. We heard a little bit about Taquan Roberson's not as loud as, Shaquan, as Sean Clifford during the postgame. James Franklin mentioned that. I mean, I, I don't know how much to dive into all that, but I've just never seen a complete – collapse of an offensive attack that was absolutely rolling and according to Franklin they stuck with the same system they didn't have any kind of cadence problems or pre-snap penalties with Sean Clifford he said I guess they made a mistake sticking with that system because it, it was just absolutely night and day and I don't know how you can evaluate this game unless you're just looking at the score tomorrow morning and you didn't pay any attention to it and not realize that we watched two completely different versions of Penn State and understand just how important Sean Clifford has become for this program's success. He's not the guy that's potentially going to keep this team back and hold this team back. That was the conversation before, right? He's the guy they need if they want to do serious things and loud things on the national scene this year. And imagine us saying that 11 months ago that that Sean Clifford, the, the heart and soul of this team, and that's the guy that matters the most. It's it's really crazy to think about. Um, you, you mentioned uh, the, the cadence and everything like that. It's kind of the, the book on Roberson has been quiet backup, soft-spoken, all that kind of stuff. And you would think that that would turn when he got onto the field or something like that. Apparently it does not. Um, so that's that's tough to see. Um, you know, he, he could have used a little bit of help. Brenton Strange had a big third down drop um, that, that, you know, you, you want to get your guy confidence, and that's not the way to do it. Um, but it just a couple. Of the I mean, I know the one was a clear, definitive drop. The other, it was it was a poorly placed pass by Taquan Roberson, and he later had a poorly placed a uh, placed pass on a fourth down to Kevon Lee that didn't allow Kevon Lee to get some momentum upfield, and he was caught in the backfield. That second third down throw to Brenton Strange, though, that hits him in the hands, and this is a rough day for these for, for Brenton Strange. The tight end unit as a whole, I think, one catch on the day, and those are a couple plays where. You just need to get some chunk plays with Taquan Roberson to give your defense some blows to get some more plays. Maybe you can get Jordan Stout in field goal range again and a couple of drive killers right there. Well, you don't even need the chunk plays. You think of that first down, they threw the little screen out to Parker Washington, picked up five. All of a sudden you got second and five. That's great. Then you have another pre-snap penalty and you got second and 10. It's like you didn't go anywhere in the first place. So that just little things like that, that were just piling up and piling up. Obviously the offense, while they called it similar, and honestly, I don't hate the way they called it. Like you take those shots and throw it down the field. Nobody thinks Taquan Roberson is going to throw down the fields. You know, he's got to get better ball placement and, and, and throw a better ball. Um, but you had open receivers, didn't get a chance to hit them. We saw that. I, I think the next to last drive with Cam Sullivan Brown and, 
uh, was it Keandre Lambert Smith? It was just, uh, it was tough. Actually, it was John Dotson running a drag, and you just float that over the defense, and maybe you get a shot there and, and break a big play. Doesn't happen. So it's, it, it was obviously you're, you're going to play different with your backup quarterback. That's why he is your backup. But I, I, I know we expected a drop off between one and two. Didn't really expect it to be that, uh, that stark. And look, Twitter is on fire right now with the name Taquan Roberson for all the wrong reasons. This is this is not a, a situation where you say this is all Taquan Roberson's fault. How could he do this to the Penn State coaches? You have to say, what did the Penn State coaches anticipate from Taquan Roberson where they said, let's go. We think he can fill the role of Sean Clifford. Let's keep rolling with it. You know, we heard it actually this week and, and I mentioned it, too. A lot of good things from Mike Yersich about Taquan Roberson. And Mike Yersich, from our small sample size with him, does not like to say good things about guys if he doesn't seriously mean it. So took that to mean a lot. But I'll go back to something that Yersich said. It was about identifying things pre-snap, handling himself pre-snap. He loves the way the ball's jumping off of, of his arm. He's got this velocity. He, he when he when he's when he's feeling comfortable pre-snap, he looks really comfortable after that. But did we see him look comfortable pre-snap on one play today? I, I don't know about that. And the best plays for Penn State were when he kind of just things broke down. He didn't see downfield. He took off running, used some athleticism. I think he had almost thirty rushing yards on that field goal drive. Could not find any consistency, and, and you just wonder. We've been talking about this for a long time. Can you find ways to get Taquan Roberson involved late in some of these blowouts? He didn't play at all last year. He attempted one pass as a true freshman. That's all hindsight 2020. But we've said before, this is the conversation now going into the bye week. If Sean Clifford's not healthy, it's going to be how in the world did Penn State allow themselves to go into the 2021 season with only three scholarship quarterbacks, including a true freshman who did not have a high school senior season because of the pandemic? Yeah, that one's on James Franklin, no doubt about it, um, just to try and figure out and balance that room. And, you know, it, it worked up until now. And that's the thing. When you talk about the hindsight being what it is, you know, you didn't think that Clifford would be this guy. And and because of that, it's tougher to get a portal guy because you're not going to bring in somebody that just wants to be a backup. There's not any of those guys out there. And if they are, they probably suck. And that's kind of how that, that that whole thing came together. So but this one, I mean, Roberson was out there at times not even looking like a Big Ten quarterback, an FBS quarterback, and that's that's you know you can't go onto the road against a a situation like that where Iowa just keeps backing you up and backing you up and backing you up, mm-hmm. and have to worry about snap counts and have to worry about uh, those little things. And you, you look at even that fourth down completion to Kevon Lee, you know that if that's a call that's made, and you don't want to play that hindsight card, but if that's a call that's made with Sean Clifford. He recognizes the coverage on the outside and he goes right across the middle to the two guys standing right in front of him that are wide open. So yeah, um, that's, that's tough. And, and, and I hate to, 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 to be the armchair quarterback right now, but it's just, you take away so many of your options when you bring in that second guy, not because that second guy um, doesn't know the offense, not because that second guy doesn't know where everyone's going to be, but he can't, he can't physically process like your starter can, like a guy that's played, started however, 30-some games for Penn State. The tremendously adverse moment for Taquan Roberson, and, and you're right out there, it kind of looked like when you see an, an NFL team, for whatever reason, have to go to like their fourth starting quarterback of the season. It's some guy they sign in week five. They put him out there against a good defense, and it just is a mess, and, and it's a train wreck. But Taquan Roberson's in his third year on this roster, and, and we've known he was going to be the backup 
since Will Levis left campus back in what February or March, and 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 even though it wasn't officially the backup until August or September, this has been anticipated, and you knew like Sean Clifford is the way he plays. And he ran the football well today, but the way he plays, he's a fiery guy. Sometimes the physicality shows up a little too much. You knew that a contingency plan was probably going to need to be utilized last year. You had to go to a backup quarterback for different reasons, but in the previous two years. Uh, you lost Trace McSorley because of an injury for a little while, and you lost Strong Clifford because of an injury for a little while. Both these quarterbacks get in the open field, take shots. So, look, we we don't see a lot of practice. And what we saw recently was very promising for Taquan Roberson. But they put him in the fire today, and I really hope that there are future moments that he can look back on in college football and, and really be proud of. But this is going to be a nightmare for him anytime he looks back at, at this night in Kinnick Stadium. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. And and you look at the entire formula that Penn State was being successful with, and it wasn't just, um, you know, throwing it up, throwing the ball out to the we, – we mentioned coming into the game, you use that screen game as part of your run game. You didn't have much of a run game once again today, but you use that screen game, those quick throws. Clifford, after that first throw, which was absolutely awful, after that first <laughs> throw looked comfortable, he found Parker Washington over the middle many times. Keandre Lambert-Smith, I think, had six catches tonight – um, so he was a big part of that. And of course, Jahan Dotson's always there. Um, you just you just did not have that with Roberson. You could not get into any sort of groove. You could not get into anything that that resembled a groove. And and that was tough to watch because uh, basically your only shot at that point is to throw one up, maybe make an adjustment on a ball. We saw the the, the Iowa defense running with with Penn State receivers and things like that. Um, but uh, you throw one up and you maybe get lucky and, and and get a flag or something like that. And that that's not the spot you want to be, obviously, even if you're up two scores in Kinnick in the second half. Well, you know what Iowa's punting, a punting game and what Iowa's uh, defense and take Juan Roberson stepping in did was – it removed Jahan Dotson from the equation. I mean, there was, I'm looking through the targets for Jahan Dotson after Taquan Roberson came in. Uh, he was targeted on that interception that Roberson threw in, in the second quarter. Um, Roberson hit him for a, a, a gain of nothing in the fourth quarter. Roberson incomplete, incomplete, incomplete and the game to, to, to Dotson. So it wasn't a factor as a punt returner because Iowa did such a great job in that department and Penn State didn't really get Jahan involved as a runner or anything. And, and you know, you, you talked to Mike Yersich this week and he lights up about having a playmaker like Jahan Dotson in his offensive attack. And, you know, it, it, when you lose Clifford, you didn't just lose Sean Clifford. You lost the ability to get the ball in Jahan Dotson's hand in space and you essentially remove the premier playmaker in this matchup from the conversation. And, of course, crediting the Hawkeyes for what they did in this matchup. But this was a steep drop off at quarterback that's clearly going to affect your quarterback's top target. Well, it's not only that, but you think about that second half. Like, who was the main focus for Penn State's offense? Keevon Lee. I mean, Keevon Lee started get, involved, right? <laughs> didn't even get there. I mean, you like he, of course, Lee got a bunch of carries. And, and Roberson was, was good when he was able to get his feet moving and things like that. Um, and, and by good, I mean, you know, he was able to pick up some chunk yardage and things like that, but there was nothing. I mean, there was no reliable target. There was no guy that you kept going back to. I think Cam Sullivan Brown had a couple of catches, which tells you that they're, you know, scraping there. So that, that, that was tough to, uh, tough to try and figure out. So Sean Lee had um, five carries in the fourth quarter. And I think you tackle on that, that reception where he was stopped. Yeah. So six touches for Kevon Lee in the fourth quarter of this game, but what was he 10 carries for 30 yards i mean yeah no there was nothing i mean i'm not saying that much came from it but that but, but i mean I'm, like I'm, that's who the ball was going to 
Absolutely. But I'm saying he's backed up against his two yard line. So he mm-hmm. better be the guy getting those carries. And and it's not carries that are going to result in chunk plays or anything like that. It's carries that are just trying to give you a little bit of breathing room so you can punt the football away. And that's a that's a bad place to be. Like I said, you you got dragged down and you got Max Iowa out of that one. And, and Iowa did, to their credit, a heck of a job. Um, their punter. Big, I think we can call him Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, was incredible this week, and George Stout was incredible this week too. But Iowa really just played their game, and, and once they settled in, and that's the thing, Penn State gets one more score in the first half before uh, Clifford goes out. They have to start throwing the uh, Iowa has to start throwing the ball a little more because that didn't happen. You, you know, Iowa kept was able to keep running the ball, get comfortable, do what they did, come back and make it a one score game, and that's uh, that's really where you saw the difference there. I, I, I don't want to play the game, but Sean Clifford's not hurt. You come back in, you might be up 24-3 at halftime. I mean, that's if, and that's yeah. that's a rolling right there. If Sean Clifford's not hurt, and and I, this is like a, a kind of statement that Iowa fans will roll their eyes at and think it's sour grapes or something, but I really think that Penn State is going to win this game by two two plus possessions. Um, defensively, do you see like if they're rolling offensively and build that kind of lead? I don't see some kind of breakdown here against Iowa. Look, it's all hypothetical. It's all speculative, but I'm completely with you. I was watching a team that I felt like was rolling their way towards the number three ranking, and Alabama's currently in trouble, so who knows? Maybe the number two ranking in the country, and all of a sudden, Clifford out, and they go off the side of a cliff. And and quickly, we didn't mention his name. Tory Taylor is the name of Iowa's punter. I kept saying punter, punting. He had six kicks tonight inside the 20, and I think four of those at least were inside the 10. But we do have to give Jordan Stout a shout-out. He showed up in every way you thought he would. Didn't allow a kick return from Iowa. He hasn't allowed one all season. He had three more kicks from 50-plus, and this was huge because Penn State was pinned back so often with take one Roberson. Eventually, Iowa was starting to get the ball at midfield over and over again. And also Stout with a couple field goals, including a 44-yarder that made it 20-10 to 10 halfway through the third quarter. So the specialist showed up. I mean, in a lot of ways, everyone showed up who was supposed to in this game, and Sean Clifford just wasn't allowed to keep playing because of whatever happened in the locker room when he went back there. We don't know. Came back. There was no nothing evident, but clearly we're not going to get much out of James Franklin between now and that Illinois matchup, and we got a bye week in between it. So get used to wondering what exactly is going on with Sean Clifford, folks. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one where you, the bye week obviously – coming at a good time. We say that every year that the bye week comes at a good time. Um, but when you're starting quarterback and obviously the centerpiece to, to your offensive attack um, needs some time, that's that's a good thing. I mean, you, you're going to – I hate to speculate, but you got to think ribs. you got to think left shoulder. It didn't right. – I mean, if you're if you're going to talk about the positives, it obviously wasn't a knee or wasn't something that, you know, you you look at and you say, this is definitely going to take him out for the rest of the year. And, and, and obviously – could be something where he would be back in a week. Could be something where he could miss a month or two. So um, it's it's tough to uh, to forecast what this this offense is going to look like without Sean Clifford. But you you have two weeks. You've got the bye. You've got Illinois, who's not very good. And then you know obviously there's the the elephant in the room at the end of October. Yes. Um, so get a chance to get Clifford healthy. And you get you got to get him as healthy as you can uh, by uh, by October thirty first or thirtieth or whatever. Sure, yeah. and, I mean, Sean was back on the sideline. He experienced that entire second half. He was in the year of uh, Taekwon Roberson. He was there with Mike Yurcich. He lived through this, even though he wasn't on the field. So it's not like he was sitting in a hospital room or in an ambulance. This was a situation where they felt like he was okay to stand there and be with the team. And so we'll we'll see what happens moving forward. A few other things on the injury, uh, uh, injury list here, because there were several names that pop up on it, Sean. We mentioned no John Lovett after the first half. He didn't get involved offensively at all. 
P.J. Mustafer was lost early, a significant blow to the defensive front, although I thought they held up really well with that next man up there, certainly far better than the offense did. Um, and then also on defense and offense, Devin Ford, apparently, according to James Franklin, was sidelined along the way. We saw him early. He actually got the start. That was a surprise at running back. And then uh, Jonathan Sutherland, who's been a second-team safety, obviously a special teams captain, he was sidelined, according to Franklin. That's three team captains. I don't know what to you know make of that what you will, but three team captains off the field uh, on the road at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, Sutherland, of course, to a lesser degree than Mustafer and Clifford, the roles they play. But and yet Penn State ever every opportunity to come home with a win if they can just squeeze something uh, out of that offense in the second half more than just that one field goal drive. And and Lovett fielded the opening kickoff. I don't know what happened to him. Did not see anything uh, come down, but he was in street clothes for the second half. And Ford, that was news to me. Not that we were looking for Devin Ford um, when Penn State's trying to grind out some yardage there in the fourth quarter, but he wasn't he wasn't out there as well, apparently. So that's tough. Um, PJ Mustafer losing PJ Mustafer on the first drive. That you can't uh, you can't overstate that one. He's been pretty much Penn State's most consistent defensive line. I mean, I'm not going to say best because I think Arnold Evacati has been fantastic this year, but Mustafer has been very, very steady there in the middle. Um, I still think Against Iowa's best offensive lineman. That also. Yeah, Linderbaum's I mean, really good too. Yeah. He's really good. Um, but uh, Devon Ellis stepped up. He did get hurt, so they took him out of there. And and I think what, Kaziah Izzard was in there and some other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that deep, deep pool of uh, defensive tackles while they – um, you know, not all of them have experience. You did get some of those guys out there, and I think Izzard made a good play or two, and uh, we'll see what happens as they continue to develop that depth. But you hope PJ's okay. Um, didn't look horrible, but you don't want to speculate on an injury like that because, you know, he was on the bike and they were talking to – I think the broadcast said they were talking to his father, which is not a great sign, but uh, you, you really definitely could have used him. But Penn State held up okay in, on the interior. Yeah. Tangelo had some nice plays. Uh, Iowa – this is probably a surprising stat, but Iowa only ran uh, – only had 110 yards on the ground, and that's – you know, counting sacks and stuff, but still Penn state had 107. We're complaining about the Penn state run game. So um, not all, not all bad on the, on the, on that front. I think the Penn state defense got to feel, you got to feel pretty shitty if you're them right now. I mean, you, you, you were just kept being called upon and called yeah. upon and putting your back against the wall. You say only 23 points, but when you look at the situations they were put in, they probably should have given up more. And um, four turnovers for Penn State, and just three points off those turnovers is pretty remarkable uh, in itself. But um, it's just uh, doesn't matter when you lose the game. Uh, yeah, they they got that early turnover, which which turned into a touchdown for 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 Penn State's offense, and and you know, so leading to points for your team. And um, also, I, I think you you look at the way they held up with losing Mustafa. That that was pretty impressive over the course of this game. And I've got a lot of respect for Tyler Goodson and for a lot of what this off Iowa offensive line does, particularly in the interior. I don't think this is an, an all timer uh, Iowa offensive line, but two point four yards on the ground per rush for Iowa against Penn State today. thought that was impressive. You saw some of the early pressure. Uh, Spencer Petrus, 17 of 31, 195 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That late touchdown, obviously the go-ahead, the difference maker was six minutes to go. But at that point, um, they had come up with so many stops. And and, and I, I look at the field of field, uh, field position battle here, which was just an absolute bloodbath for Penn State today. You talk about the turnover battle and how that was important. Penn State was in a situation despite throwing four turnovers today and, and to win this game. I mean, they could have survived those turnovers. I didn't think that would be the case, but, man, they could not f- survive the field position battle today. 
average start for them, the 21-yard line, the average start for Iowa, the 40-yard line. And we had said, oh, is this luck? How is Iowa getting all this? The statistics are skewed. Well, they did it again. That's one department that they, they lived up to their reputation once more, the interceptions they did as well. And ultimately, that was the difference maker because Taquan Roberson, as I said, I mean, every drive he's starting, he's got this crowd on his back and this defense ahead of him that's playing at a, at a really lights-out level. I like Sean Clifford's chances to counter that, and Taquan Roberson was almost DOA in this regard. Yeah, it's, it's a tough situation. That's why you don't want to be too overly hard on, on Roberson because that's a just a tough scenario to come into. Um, what you can say is that uh, Iowa, once once Clifford went out, really didn't respect Penn State's offense, no real reason to, um, which I don't, I don't really blame them for. So you weren't at the 6-4 game uh, at the beginning of the, the millennia here, and uh, no. it was a similar situation where they took a safety because they weren't scared of Penn State's offense. Now you take some knees and you still have time on the clock and then you punt the ball back to them. Iowa knew they weren't going to score. I mean, and that's pretty, that's pretty indicative of how threatening that Penn State offense was. Which is insane because, again, I'm thinking about the conversation through the first 18 minutes of this game. And it's about how the Penn State offense that showed up, stumbled out the gates a little bit and then said, ah, we're good. We got the weapons. Sean Clifford's delivering the ball and Sean Clifford's running the ball. Sean Clifford, by the way. The team's leading runner tonight, which is which says a lot about where the run game went and was able to to not do much. Um, but these are the these are the drives after Sean Clifford exited when it was you know seventeen to three. Iowa scores seventeen to ten. Then you have Roberson step in uh, a punt after three plays, an interception. Not safe for work, by the way. Just just a, a warning <laughs> here. You may want to turn it down if you have kids around. <laughs> a punt after three plays. That drive lost sixteen yards. An interception. Then came halftime. Then a punt after three plays. Then that field goal drive, that was 11 plays, 42 yards, a lot on the ground with Roberson running. A punt on three plays, a punt on three plays, a punt on three plays, and you lose 19 yards on that possession. Then a turnover on downs, and then another turnover on downs. And that's how you lose a 20-3 to lead and fall 23-20 to on the road at Kinnick Stadium. I think the part that's hard to stomach is a lot of avoidable mistakes. Um, just, uh, you know, those, those pre-snap penalties – figuring out where you need to be and then, you know, trying to, trying to just uh, maybe do a little bit too much. I mean, Roberson was lucky on that field goal drive that he didn't take him out of field goal range with, uh, with taking a big sack there on third down. So a lot of avoidable mistakes and you thought maybe you could just grind it out long enough. And, and, and that's another thing. Penn State went fast and I understand that that's their tempo and that's their preference and things like that. But when you're trying to run some clock down, snapping the ball a little bit too early for, for some people's liking here. So, um, you know, you can second guess a lot of things. Again, I don't mind a lot of those play calls. Like you, you, nobody's expecting Roberson to beat him deep, deep over top. You need a better, ex you need better execution. You need guys that can, um, you know, make, uh, make some plays on the other end as well. Um, but, you know, I, I don't have a problem with them trying to throw it down the field. It's just putting yourself in those positions over and over and over again, backing yourself up five yards, backing yourself up five yards three times in a row. That's got to uh, you got to be better than that. And, you know, that's that starts with that uh, starts with Franklin. I think that that's uh, one that he, he took on himself after the game, rightfully so. Um, Yersich is is making some pretty good calls there. Um, and it also goes to Roberson. I mean, we, we said we we're going to probably take it easy on him a little bit, but he missed some throws. Some 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 guys were open and just didn't didn't get anything going. And all of a sudden you complete those passes. Maybe you get a little confidence. Maybe you get going and you get yourself in the right direction and, and you'll, you'll take another three the way that you're going, you'll take another three points. So 
Um, that's just uh, it's tough. And then you just continually put your defense in that situation. Just how many times can you put your, put their back to the wall and they eventually broke? And uh, we, we have said a lot of uncomfortable and difficult things about Taquan Roberson, and that's something that he's going to have to face all week, something that Sean Clifford faced a lot after games last year and after games late in 2019. Adversity, scrutiny uh, all week long until the next game week, and if you do it again, then that intensifies. Right now, Taquan Roberson, what I will say, he showed up, had some microphones stuck in his face on the field in Kinnick Stadium. He answered some questions. He had a composure. That says something – I'm going to just – I want to just put that out there, Sean, because, look, you, you watch NBA games, you watch NFL games, a lot of really well-paid athletes duck out, find a way to get home, and leave the media wondering, well, what happened? Why didn't they show up after, after a difficult game? It's a different situation here in college, but Taekwon Roberson had to show up, and I, I'm sure it was a very difficult thing for him. It was not a fun or pleasant thing and not how he envisioned his first post-game access after a, a, a big performance in the Big Ten environment, and yet – if he is, for whatever reason, your quarterback coming out of this bye week and Sean Clifford is not ready, you have to have him carry some of this pain and really use it to, to look himself in the mirror and say, am I doing what it takes to beat QB1? Because he told us in August he felt like he was, but I think this is the first chance for him to fully step into those shoes. And I got to imagine when the film comes on Sunday and the conversations get difficult with Mike Yersich and even with Sean Clifford and James Franklin, it's going to become very apparent that He's got more that is required if he wants to get this team uh, you know, settled in with Sean Clifford's sideline. I mean, that's that's kind of the story of the season right there. I mean, you can't really get past that. Uh, you hope Clifford's back soon. Obviously, you know, you got the bye. You've got Illinois, but or, or Illinois, but that's that's the season. That's the entire thing right there. If Tyquan Roberson's in charge of this, and you know, maybe it's not fair to judge him on on one game, but if he's in charge, it's a completely different team, and all of a sudden you're looking at a much different uh, ceiling for this group. So um, you, you look at Penn State's quarterback situation, just three scholarship guys on, on uh, or three guys on scholarship. Um, that's, that's tough. You had Will Levis. And, and please, let's not do the Will Levis thing. Um, where you know, you, What would you do if you had Will Levis and still – it just wasn't going to work out like that. He it worked out well for Will, and it worked out it, well for Sean, didn't it? I mean <laughs> – Yeah, yeah. You're not having that conversation if Clifford doesn't get hurt. So – um, but uh, kudos to Will and, and, and crew for beating LSU tonight. But that's not that's not the conversation to be had here. The conversation to be had is, um, you know, would you have been better off trying to bring somebody, anybody in uh, ahead of Roberson? Because it, it, I get it if you're not going to use the portal, if you're not going to use the what's available to you. And again, we've said this a million times. There wasn't much out there, um, but you have to be confident in your guys that are it, it, that I'm getting ahead of myself. You have to be confident that your guys are ready to go. And obviously, from what we saw tonight, you're really not. Yeah, I think a quarterback, to me, it's not so much, oh, Will Levis left and he's having success in the SEC. It's more that during a three-cycle span, you signed four quarterbacks, and the only guy left is Taquan Roberson. Micah Bowens is at Oklahoma. Michael Johnson wasn't meant to play quarterback at this level of football. And Will Levis is now – yeah. Yeah, and – but – Hey, that's good. That's bad. That's bad. That's yeah. bad quarterback recruiting. And they want to. They want to change. They want to make this a pivot point. Mike Yersich came in. You already have Bo Perbula, who you like, and you got you got uh, Drew Aller, who a lot of people absolutely love. But that's next year. That's a next year conversation. Right now, we're talking about how can you build towards six and one. And if, if you're saddled with a situation where you've only got two available scholarship quarterbacks and then a couple walk-ons, and Sean Clifford's not good to go right now, or he's not good to go long term. You really got to think about, again, 
three cycles, four quarterbacks. The only guy still on this roster, take Juan Roberson. Yep. And that's uh it's a tough one to swallow because there's no there's nothing you can do about it right now. So um you you look back and and you got lucky getting three years of starting out of Trace McSorley, three years of very good starting out of Trace McSorley, three years out of Sean Clifford. Um, but that that has sort of set off a ripple effect and that you don't have Levis around anymore. You didn't have Stevens around anymore. Um, so you, you, there was just a whole a whole run of uh, when you, when you have guys that are getting that kind of experience and starting that many games, you're going to have a fallout there. And it's just it, it might come back to bite you at certain times. And this was kind of a, a, of a soft zone right there where you could maybe get through with what you had, but it was going to be dicey if you didn't. So um, that, that's, that's where we find ourselves uh, six games into the 2021 season, Penn state five and one um, and very, very um, I don't want to say bleak outlook, but if you don't have Sean Clifford, you have plenty of questions about which direction this team's going to go. It's remarkable. It really is remarkable how, just how different everything feels with Sean Clifford on the field versus off the field. And you think about last fall and everyone was for clamoring for Sean Clifford to please get off the field and put anyone else in that field, quarterback of Penn home, State. Just everything, it, I see yeah. on, everything I see <laughs> now on Twitter is thoughts and prayers to Sean Clifford, our golden boy. And, hey, that's a credit to how he has played, how Mike Yersich has worked with him. And that's where it is right now. And, and we've talked about it a lot. If you want to play big boy football, you got to have a big boy quarterback. Sean Clifford didn't play like one last year. He has this year. He did at Kinnick Stadium, despite taking a gut punch on play number one with interception. He was ready to roll. Felt like they were ready to keep this thing going. It's one of those nights I think we'll never forget because of how it played out. Um, and it's one that I'm sure Taquan Roberson and everybody else in that Penn State locker room wants to put behind them as soon as possible. Going to take a little time. They got a bye week. There are a bunch of other things we can get to here, Sean. I got Arnie. one more thing to get to yeah. before we get going. Absolutely. You made, a great, you made a great point there in that Mike Yurcich has turned around Sean Clifford. You've got a double-edged sword because you've got Sean Clifford taking 90% of the snaps with the first team. All of a sudden, that wears into the snaps that Roberson can get, the snaps that Christian Veyer can get. So you spend so much time turning around Sean Clifford and, and the right decision, I believe, but – at the end of the day, you lose some of that with your backup, and now all of a sudden that's what you get on the field. So yeah. good point by you, even if you didn't know you made it. <laughs> I'll take the, I'll take uh, as many of those as I can get, Sean, any day of the week. But I was going to say we could talk about the running backs. Um, you know, you look at the stat sheet there, not much. Noah Kane falling further closer to, to two two yards per, per touch since uh, since week one. It's been a really tough go for him. He's been under the three yards. Today was uh, ten, uh, eight carries, 15 yards. He had a touchdown. Kevon Lee saw a lot of 30 total yards and then no love it. Ford got the start. He had one carry on the day. So we didn't get any kind of clarity there. This also wasn't the game to find much clarity on offense, considering how the last 47, 48 minutes of this one went. But Sean, we'll come back. We'll, we'll regroup. Um, I'm now past the due date for my child, by the way, uh, trying to keep <laughs> things in perspective. So I cannot promise I will be on the very next episode of the podcast. But we have a few things planned for the podcast uh, during a bye week. It's going to include some more recruiting centric conversations, hopefully some interviews as well, some guests on the show. But we will look back at this game. Try <laughs> Tune in. I, I know it's going to be a difficult listen, but we'll do our best to make sense of what happened on Saturday and try to get more information about where Penn State moves forward. For our producer, Lance Glenn, for Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks, as always, for joining us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast, whether you're listening wherever you find your podcast or watching us on our Lions 24-7 channel on YouTube. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.